0: This podcast is made possible by Lilly Oncology. Welcome to the BreastCancer.org podcast, the award-winning podcast that brings you the latest information on breast cancer research, treatments, side effects, and survivorship issues through expert interviews, as well as personal stories from people affected by breast cancer. Here's your host, Breastcancer.org Senior Editor, Jamie DiPolo.
1: Hello, thanks for listening. Dr. Patricia Gantz is a medical oncologist who is Distinguished Professor of Medicine and also Professor of Health Policy and Management at UCLA. She also serves as Director of the Center for Cancer Prevention and Control Research at the Johnson Comprehensive Cancer Center. Dr. Gantz is a member of the Breastcancer.org Professional Advisory Board. At the 2020 San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium, she presented results from a study looking at using mindfulness meditation and survivorship education classes to ease depression in younger women treated for breast cancer. She joins us today to talk about the study. Dr. Gantz, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jamie. So first to start, can you tell us how you defined younger women for the study? What was the age range? Sure.
2: Sure. Um, To be eligible for the study, uh, women had to be 50 years of of age or younger at the time of diagnosis. However, um, when we enrolled them in the study, they had to be at least six months after the end of treatment or up to five years after diagnosis. So um, the data in terms of time since diagnosis, was 2.6 years uh, on average. So some women were early on, but other women were further out in terms of their survivorship journey. Okay.
1: Now the study mentions that the breast cancer experience is different for younger women than it is for older women. So could you tell us a little bit about those differences?
2: Certainly. Again, uh, those of us who have been looking at the impact of breast cancer and its treatments on women's lives, have noted in many, many studies that overall, older women, and, and again, the average age of breast cancer diagnosis is 61, so we're talking about women in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, generally emotionally deal with and cope with the illness better than younger women. And this is true if you just look at you know anxiety and depression in the general population, younger women have more anxiety and depression than older women. So that's not so different. But if you think about what younger women have to, in fact, deal with that's different from older women is many of them have children that are young, they're working, some women do not have a partnered relationship, some women are in school, some women don't have a well-defined career trajectory yet when they have been diagnosed with cancer. So there's so many kind of developmental life events, if you will, Um, that are going on when you're less than 50 years of age, which are pretty much settled for women in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. So it's many more demands on them. And in addition, as your audience well knows, many of the treatments that we give for breast cancer will push women into menopause earlier. So they may, in fact, be also dealing with premature menopause as part of the cancer experience. So a lot of these things are just much more disruptive for younger women
1: okay thank you so it sounds if i can put it in my own words it sounds like younger women really have perhaps higher levels of depression stress and fatigue compared to older women who've been diagnosed with breast cancer
2: yeah i mean again i wouldn't say that it's universal but you know in the research that i've done over many years uh, looking at fatigue and cognitive changes for example Uh, I would routinely ask my 65-year-old who I was giving adjuvant chemotherapy to, you know, how's it going? Are you having any difficulties? And I'm, I'm thinking in my mind of somebody who was a social worker and now retired, and she didn't have to get up to go to work every day, and she really didn't have any problems. But if you'd ask somebody who was, you know, in her early 40s, and had to get kids off to school and had to work as an attorney and, you know, had difficulty concentrating after getting her treatments and was now having hot flashes,
1: you know, it's much
2: more complicated for them.
1: Okay. Okay. So I'll qualify that by saying on average, not, it's not universal as you said. Okay. Okay. Um, So now moving on to the study, could you give us a summary of the study and its results?
2: Sure. Because we were aware of depression being, depressive symptoms being much more frequent in younger women. And and because this leads to a lot of morbidity in terms of being able to do all the things that are important to people in terms of work and taking care of their families and enjoying life, um, we focused on this as the main outcome in a randomized trial where we recruited women from uh, Los Angeles, uh, UCLA, uh, Dana-Farber in Boston, And in uh, Baltimore at Johns Hopkins, uh, my colleagues there were Ann Partridge and uh, Antonio Wolf. And we focused on recruiting women who had at least a minimal level of depressive symptoms because if we took all comers, you know, most women are actually doing pretty well, but some are having more difficulties. And in order to actually see a signal of benefit, we had to identify women who at least had some level of depressive symptoms. So they had to meet those eligibility criteria being 50 or younger at diagnosis, being within five years of having had their diagnosis and being finished with their treatment and no other really serious chronic illnesses. And then that minimal threshold of some depressive symptoms uh, to be eligible. And once they met that eligibility bar, they then had to be willing to be randomized to either our survivor education program, our mindfulness meditation, Program or a waitlist control group, and in the waitlist control group, those women were monitored at the same intervals as the women who were in the intervention, but got the intervention of their choice at the end of a six-month follow-up period. So uh, the groups themselves were delivered over six weeks, two hours a week, um, by professionals who were trained to deliver each of the specific interventions. So again, imagine these busy young women with kids who were in soccer or piano lessons or whatever, or they had to work in the evenings or weekends, they then had to commit to being available for six weeks, or at least for the first class to be able to enroll in the study. So there were a lot of barriers to you know doing the research. But in the end, we actually recruited uh, 247 women um, who were randomized uh, to the three uh, conditions Uh, And the interventions were delivered over a six-week period of time. The women in the mindfulness uh, group uh, met with a mindfulness instructor in a class session where they were, were trained in techniques to help them address issues related to your mind wandering and not being present. I'm not going to go into the details of the intervention. In the survivor education program, we had nurses who were um, uh, given a curriculum of a slide presentation that covered various topics from uh, Breast Cancer 101 to quality of life after breast cancer, sexuality and intimacy, genetics, and so forth. Again, given over a six-week period of time in a seminar format where there could be more discussion among the women about those issues that would come out. So it's a bit more of a psychoeducational intervention, whereas the mindfulness really just um, trained in practices of mindfulness uh, over that period of time. Um, there were a couple booster sessions that were offered for the mindfulness and some newsletters that we sent to the women in the survivor education program. And we measured how they were doing before. We actually randomized them uh, immediately after the six-week program, and then three months later, and then six months later. Uh, to monitor um, how the intervention may have affected a variety of outcomes, including depression as the main one.
1: Okay, and before I ask you about the results, I don't mean to interrupt, but I'm curious, why did you choose those two particular interventions?
2: Oh, that's an excellent question. So, um, you know, when we do this kind of research, often you wind up doing your initial study with experts, which is actually what we did at UCLA. We have a a wonderful mindfulness center at UCLA and kind of the head teacher who is really famous and she's quoted in the New York Times frequently, et cetera. She taught our classes for a pilot study that we did actually in 70 women where we randomized them to either getting the intervention or not and then followed them. And we had a very encouraging signal that the mindfulness was helpful to a group of younger women just like this. In addition, other investigators had looked at psychoeducational interventions in younger women with breast cancer and had found it to be promising as well. So we actually developed this lecture series um, uh, to be able to be delivered. So we thought both of these were credible, meaningful, potential ways of helping women deal with the distress uh, associated with um, surviving breast cancer and its its side effects and complications. You know, when you have the experts teaching it, that's really different than trying to disseminate it, if you will. So what we did initially, we can think of as an efficacy study where we really had the best teacher possible and we got a signal. And in this particular trial with the three sites, we trained local um, mindfulness teachers. There were two in Boston, two in Baltimore, and two in L.A., who were trained by this very expert teacher, and we had uh, a manual telling them what you needed to do with each session. So this was kind of a train-the-trainer situation. So these were obviously well-trained mindfulness uh, instructors, but they hadn't been delivering this particular six-session program. Uh, Similarly, for the nurses who delivered the the, um, survivor education, we actually role modeled the lectures. They had lecture notes. Uh, They could listen to these before giving each talk. And there was a slide set that was annotated. So again, um, instead of having experts actually deliver these lectures, we had local nurses uh, delivering the survivor education.
1: Okay. Thank you. And so I believe, um, I'm going to ask you to explain the results, but it sounds like the results showed that both the med- mindfulness meditation classes and the survivorship classes both ease depression. Is that right? Yes, that's correct.
2: And um, the they both had a, a very um, dramatic effect uh, immediately post-treatment, which was actually sustained out to three months for both of the uh, intervention groups and then at 6 months there was some attenuation of the benefit from the survivor education but the mindfulness uh, group still had improvement in depressive symptoms
1: that's wonderful and if i if i looked at the study results correctly i believe that mindfulness meditation also helped with fatigue and sleeping problems as well as hot flashes but i don't think that the survivorship education classes helped with those issues is that correct
2: That is correct, and so, you know, you never know how these results are going to come out, Um, but it looks like there are pretty profound biological effects from mindfulness, which, again, we know from other studies, um, which differentiate it from the effects of the survivor education, uh, certainly on these other symptoms.
1: Okay, yeah, that's, that's pretty fascinating to me, and I'm curious, too, I want to make sure I understand correctly, there were only the three groups, the mindfulness meditation and the survivorship education classes, and then the group that was on the wait list. So basically kind of the control group. Did you consider having a group that did both? And I know you said that these are younger women with a lot of demands on their time. So I'm also wondering if the time commitment for both types of classes would have been too much.
2: I think, you know, what we learned from this, and I think it's reflected in uh, some debriefing that we did with the women when they finished the classes, is that um, for the survivor education, it would have been helpful to some of these women much earlier in their their, uh, cancer survivorship uh, experience. So as I mentioned, they were about two and a half years out. And a lot of the patients said, this is really useful, but I could have really used this a couple of years ago. Mm. And so so rather than, you know, have them both be together, maybe there would be better time or touch points that would be appropriate. I think the mindfulness could be used anytime um, because I think the skills that are, it's a skill-based intervention where women are learning how to manage things uh, that occur on a daily basis for themselves. Whereas the education kind of about what to to expect and how to alleviate hot flashes or mood changes or things like that, which are part of the education intervention, uh, could be helpful to women, you know, in the earlier post-treatment period. In terms of where we might go with this, we might, in fact, look at some of those
1: kinds of issues. Okay. And I believe if I if I read the information correctly, I know at least the mindfulness meditation classes are available online. Um, Are the survivorship classes also available online? Uh, No, they are not. Uh, The mindfulness classes are
2: available because they have been available for a long time at UCLA on the Mark Center website. So Hmm. people listening uh, to the podcast, if they were interested, um, can, in fact, um, sign up for those classes and do them. Online, uh, we actually, um, because of COVID, at the very end of our study, we had the waitlist control group that we still had to offer some classes to, and we wound up doing uh, two separate classes uh, for a mixture of women from both uh, L.A. Boston, L.A. Boston and Baltimore, uh, taking the classes from one of the uh, UCLA instructors doing it on Zoom, and so um, that you know that is one kind of class where you can, in fact do with an instructor and replicate it but they also have pre-recorded classes where people can actually um, study it and take it themselves and do the practice it does have some interaction with an instructor as well
1: okay yeah that was actually going to be my last question if somebody were interested in doing this they could just go to the ucla website and start there or is that you said it was the mark center and, yes. and look for sign up for classes that way
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. And they have drop in meditation, you know, uh, they have some free classes and things like that. Uh, I will send you the email, exact email link um, for you to be able to share. Uh, they do charge for it, but it's important to know that um, we use their standard class. Uh, we did not really particularly tailor it to breast cancer. Um, and uh, the only thing I think that's very special about what we did because when we did a pilot study several years ago i i would stop in and and give a little talk uh the second class to kind of say why would mindfulness you know be useful we didn't do this now for this study but it was it was really amazing to me to be in a room with 10 all young women you know Mm -hmm. and i think uh i think that is the thing that was very special about doing these groups either for the education or for the mindfulness is that they were with their peers, which who, who had had a similar experience, and even though there wasn't a lot of chit chat and support going on in the mindfulness class, you were in a room with women who looked like you, mm-hmm. and um, and so I think that's what we thought was one of the
1: um, important. Strengths, if you will, of doing something special for younger women. Definitely, definitely. Thank you so much. This has been very helpful. And again, um, I believe this adds more evidence showing that mindfulness meditation can really be beneficial to breast cancer survivors. I know most of the studies have been small, but it seems like the benefits are definitely there.
2: Yes, and we also um, have collected biological specimens along with the study. In our previous studies, we did show reductions in inflammation, which are often associated with some of the symptoms like um, the insomnia and the fatigue. And so we hope that we'll be able to demonstrate that that's part of the mechanism by which this is working also in this study. Um, So stay tuned. Uh, Hopefully, we'll have those results next year.
1: Oh, that would be great. And hopefully, we'll get to talk to you again. Dr. Uh Gantz, thank you so much for telling us about these results. It's been very helpful and informative. My pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to the BreastCancer.org podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. To share your thoughts about this or any episode, email us at podcast at breastcancer.org or leave feedback on the podcast episode landing page on our website. And remember, you can find a lot more information about breast cancer at breastcancer.org. And you can connect with thousands of people affected by breast cancer by joining our online community.